Well, before we get into some prayer, I wanted to uh, share a little bit from the prophet Hosea. Um, So you can turn to Hosea chapter 1. When I first got here, Hosea was one of the first sermons I preached, and I, I love this section of Scripture. I love the minor prophets, as they're called. I don't technically really like that name so much because it can imply that these prophets have a minor significance, uh, which they certainly don't. Uh, they're minor in the sense that they're shorter, and that's about the only reason that they're minor, but uh, they are major prophets in the sense of putting forth God's love and His, uh, his amazing mercy uh, for us, and we see that maybe most vividly in Hosea, and I wanted to share a little bit from Hosea tonight. Um, and as we jump into Hosea, you know, kind of like we talked about the Psalms, Psalms 1 and 2, uh, Hosea serves as an introduction to the Minor Prophets, or the Book of the Twelve, because there's twelve of them, and they all used to circulate on one scroll. They, they're meant to be read together. And Hosea and Joel introduce the, this book to us in a similar way that Psalm 1 and 2, they introduce the major themes of the Psalter. And Hosea and Joel do the, the same here. And um, Hosea uh, introduces to us uh, the, the message of, of God's law and his judgment, uh, but also God's uh, mercy and the gospel and how God saves his people uh, and is merciful toward them. So that there's hope there. Um, so I want to get into Hosea chapter 1. And right away we see uh, this first verse, which is a superscription, which is just uh, that part that comes before the main part. And we have this, uh, the time period that we're in. We're in the 750s BC. We have these different kings that are, uh, that Hosea is, his ministry takes apart uh, during the days of, of these kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. And then at the same time, in the northern kingdom of Israel, we have Jeroboam, uh, Jeroboam II, uh, the descendant of Jeroboam I, the first king of of Israel when the nation split. During this time, there's a lot of relative peace. Uh, The people have grown complacent. There has not been that much warfare, not that much bloodshed in recent memory. And so we have a lot of these vivid depictions, and Hosea has a lot of those uh, to, to wake up God's people to the, the absolute imminent danger that they're in. And, and sure enough, only about a generation later, 722, the northern kingdom of Israel will be carried off into exile uh, because uh, they, they do not listen to God's prophets, to his servants. And so Hosea begins his message, and Hosea, the book of Hosea has three major sections. The first three chapters are about Hosea and his wife Gomer and the children they have and the message that God declares to his people through uh, this, this uh, marriage. The next section, chapters 4 through 11, uh, God's building on the seam. He's, he's laying his accusation against his people as, as a holy, righteous judge that there is a lack. There's a lack of knowledge. There's a lack of fidelity, faithfulness to God. There's a lack of integrity in their worship, a lack of, of uh, or, or there's rampant hypocrisy. Uh, they, are not, they do, have, do not have any integrity as they, they worship God, but they presume upon Him. They, they go through the motions, but 
Uh, with their lips, they proclaim him, but with their hearts, their hearts are far from him. But again, this ends with a, a message of hope in, in chapter 11. And then chapters 12 through 14, the third section, it, it uh, goes back through the history of, of Israel, goes back through the history of God's people. It reinforces those main points again, and again ends with a, a message of hope. So in each of the main sections of Hosea and each of the uh, passages as you get into the details of it, we have this amazing juxtaposition of God's judgment against wickedness and yet God's mercy towards his people. And we see that right here, uh, right away as well. In every section we read, you know, it, Hosea it really forces us to ask this question, how can these depictions of this fierce uh, judgment and, and the, the imagery is very stark and can be startling for us to read. How can we make sense of these two things together? How do, how do they make sense? And they make sense in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we see. We see Jesus on full display in these prophecies in this ministry. And we see it right away here in this, in this first chapter. So I'm going to read a part of this, and we'll, we'll get through as much as we get through, and we'll, we'll stop at time, and we'll, we'll have time for prayer. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take for yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel. For in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will sa save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. There's a lot of uh, children's names in there. Uh, Jess and I have been talking about uh, baby names, of course, and uh, I don't know if any of these are on our list or going <laughs> to make the cut um, when that day comes. But we know that names have meanings. Names have significance. Uh, when we choose names for our children, uh, we, we think about it. They're either family names or the names have some significance, some meaning in the name itself, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, and here we see God working through the prophet Hosea to make these 
very incredible uh, pronouncements against his people through the names of these children, these children of judgment as they are. And so I want to look through uh, these together, these children of judgment. And we see the first one, a son called Jezreel. Now Jezreel, not translated for us here, but that name means to sow, or that Yahweh sows, that, that Jah, the Yah at the beginning, the, the shortened name for Yahweh. And this name used to be a name of, of promise, and the valley of Jezreel was a wonderful valley full of, uh, it was a, a, a full of fertility. It was a very, uh, um, uh, uh, very bountiful, plentiful uh, place, and and it was the, uh, a very important location, especially in the, in the northern kingdom and especially uh, during King Ahab's rule. Uh, this was a, a place, uh, um, a separate home for him that he would go and uh, spend time in. And it was significant. And yet it became a, a place of judgment. And in Second Kings, we, we hear about uh, the judgment that God brings through uh, this man Jehu and eventually uh, uh, wipes out uh, Ahab, uh, Jezebel. And, um, but now we get to this point in Israel's history, and God is declaring uh, that he is going to, to pronounce judgment upon the northern kingdom. He is going to, instead of sowing peace, instead of sowing fertility, instead of sowing abundance, to them and prosperity, now his punishment is being sown. And so this valley of Jezreel, which was once a valley of, of plenty, a valley of, of bounty, now it will be a valley of, of punishment. He says, I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day, I will break the bow. He's going to break the military might of Israel because of what has been done. Because of of this disobedience, God, he sows judgment. Because of this adultery that has taken place in, in the kingdom, uh, the, the adultery of God's people being idolatrous, we see that connection being made between idolatry and idolatry, which is why the, uh, Hosea speaks so boldly here, and, and God speaking through the prophet to go and take a wife of, of whoredom, he says, uh, because this is how my relationship with my bride, uh, the people of Israel, uh, that is what my relationship with them has been like. And so you go and take this wife for yourself as a symbol of, of my relationship with my people and for the pronouncement of judgment upon them, the first being this pronouncement of judgment that uh, God is going to sow this punishment on his people the same way that a, a, a farmer may sow seeds. So God is sowing punishment, and so he names the first son Jezreel because he's sowing punishment. But not only that, we see also that there is going to be no escape from this. There's going to be no relenting of God's judgment against his people and we see that through the, the second child that's born to Hosea and to Gomer. She conceived again and bore a daughter, and God has her name uh, called No Mercy. That's, the, that's her name. Lo Ruhama, No Mercy. 
God's long-suffering with his people is finally come to an end. He is sowing punishment, and there will be no relenting, there will be no mercy for this punishment. This compassion for generations, it has run its course. Call her name no mercy, God says, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. That time is, has come and passed. Generation after generation, from Jeroboam the first, now all the way down to Jeroboam the second. His people have not listened to any of his pleas. They've not listened to any of his prophets. And so God makes this pronouncement on him and the sober reminder to all of us that we would not be so presumptuous or so bold as to presume upon God's mercy. But, and right away here we get this first glimpse though of gospel mercy. When we get to uh, verse 7. And this is one of the things I love about Hosea, I love about the prophets is, is these two things are so juxtaposed, they're so stark when we consider them, so black and white. We have this amazing pronouncement, there will be no mercy, I will not forgive them at all. But, verse 7, I will have mercy on the house of Judah. It's almost as if God can't get through one pronouncement of judgment without coming to part of the promise for mercy. He can't even get through it without showing us that there is going to be mercy. And here's how there's going to be mercy. God says, through the house of Judah. And I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or horsemen. So it's not going to be any, any of the military equipment that the world thinks is going to save them. It's not going to be anything like that. They're not to put their trust in horses or chariots or any such thing. And that's not how God is going to save them. But notice, and I think this is key, that this is the Lord speaking. And notice how the Lord talks about this future salvation. He says, I, the Lord, will save them by the Lord, their God. I, the Lord, will save them by the Lord, through the house of Judah. And so right away we are seeing pictures, we're seeing glimpses of the Son of God who becomes man from the tribe of Judah, son of David, who is the Lord God himself in the flesh. And that's the Messiah, that's the divine instrument through which God's people are saved. The Lord saves his people through himself. So we have this inbreaking of mercy into this judgment, but the judgment does continue. God is sowing judgment on them. There will be no mercy from it. And it will all culminate in this horrible thing where God's people will be completely abandoned, he says. And the Lord God says, call this the name of this third child now, this son. His name will be not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. So, 
They've been sown. The judgment has been sown. This judgment is without, mer- without mercy. And now, even worse, it results in God's people being made orphans. They, they're no longer God's people. You know, this was the promise that was given when God delivered his people out of Egypt. He said that you will be my people, that I will be your God. And now we have uh, the, the result of, of years, decades, generations of, of adultery, idolatry, disobedience. And God declares to them, not my people. Not my people. I am not your God. It's devastating. And it would be overwhelming to us if we were to just end there, right? And we know, but for the grace of God, so too are we all. But here again, we see now this glimpse of this beautiful gospel proclamation that again, it's as if God's speaking through His prophet. He can't even get through one pronouncement of judgment without immediately giving them the assurance that there is hope and there is mercy, there is there's comfort to be had. And that's where we go to in verse 10. It begins with yet, a great word in our Bibles. Yet, even though this is true, even though there is judgment, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. So where does God first turn when He wants to bring comfort to God's people? He brings them all the way back to that covenant of promise with Abraham. He says, no, I have not given up on my people. I I cannot. It's not in my nature. I'm a just God. I must... uh, I must bring judgment. I must bring justice against sin and wickedness. I, I, I must do that. But I have not given up on my covenant with Abraham. I've not given up on my covenant with my people. They will be numerous. As, as numerous as the sand on the sea. As, as many as the stars are in the heavens. That is who Israel will be. They will be measured without number. And... In the place where it was said of them, you are not my people, it shall be said of them, children of the living God. He's going to undo the curse. He's going to pay the penalty. The pronouncement of judgment is going to be and turned into a declaration of hope and mercy. This is what he's going to do for his people. And then he says, verse 11, and we get the picture of how this all works out. He says, The children of Judah and the children of Israel, they shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So so many things wrapped up in there. But we see now the restoration of both Judah and Israel. We've already seen how from Judah there will be one who will be brought up, who will be the deliverer of God's people. And now we see that Judah and Israel, they'll come together under this one person, under this one head. That word head referring to a a ruler or a chief or a prince or a king. Uh, The one in charge. The way we talk about it as a head of household or or, uh, the head of a company. We use that language. 
So there's going to be one, one person, one, one king is going to be there. I love uh, you know, commentaries and uh, reading one, and I remember um, you know, it's helpful to read commentaries from a wide variety of authors, um, but they're not always as helpful as others, but sometimes it's, it's funny to read those who would take uh, a more um, theologically liberal approach to the text and an unbelieving approach, not a Christian approach to the text. And so viewing this as a prophecy, and, and, and so this, this uh, commentator, he says, you know, this prophecy, it never was fulfilled because Israel was never officially reunited under a single king. And you just sit and you marvel at how amazing God is that He raised up the Lion of Judah, that He raised up the Son of David to be the King for His people. And this King reigns forever. And we have a promise even at the end here. They shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So everything now, everything is undone in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Once we were called not my people, but now through Christ we have the adoption. When we are made one, when we are united with God's Son, then we now are sons and daughters of the living God. We were once not God's people, but now we've been made God's people by adoption through His Son. Once there was no mercy. That was our pronouncement of judgment. But through the grace of God, by the atoning sacrificial death of Christ on the cross, now there is mercy for God's people where there was once no mercy. Now in Christ there is mercy. And this child named Jezreel, which was the, the proclamation of judgment being sown onto God's people, now through Christ... There's a great harvest ahead of us. This day of Jezreel, this day of God's sowing, where He's been planting the seeds, not seeds of, uh, of judgment, not seeds of punishment, but He's been sowing gospel seeds into the hearts of God's people from age to age. And the harvest is coming where He'll come and He'll reap five, ten, a hundredfold, where He will enter into the glory of His consummate kingdom we will all be caught up with him we'll leave this land we'll be with him forever and ever and so i love i could go on and on about hosea i love hosea i love this promise it's such a wonderful promise that we have to rest on we we, we talked about the names of children and i didn't mention the name of hosea which comes from the same word it's it's the word for salvation and so that Hosea is the same word as Yeshua. It's, it's the name of Jesus. And so right here, we have such a clear depiction, this, this type and figure of Christ. God has declared His salvation through His prophet, whose name is Salvation, pointing us ahead to the person of Christ who is our salvation. And He's the one in whom we hope. Thanks be to God for that. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You for this amazing reminder from Your prophet Hosea that You are God who saves. We thank You that You have saved us uh, through Your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Uh, we are so beyond, uh, beyond words, my words, family, and, and, and praying and giving you praise for this mighty salvation that uh, there is mercy, that we are your people, uh, that you are working, you are sanctifying us daily, planting gospel seeds in our hearts. We pray that they would take root and grow, that we would grow in our love and our affections toward you and toward uh, your people, toward our neighbors. So help us to do that, Lord. Be with us the rest of this evening. We pray this in your name.